Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed. And it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. the center of the galaxy this is a four center podcast feed i'm ken Mapsack. and i'm joseph scrimshaw and this is one of our news and cues episodes the news stands for news and the q stands for questions we just want to save time so we say cues instead of questions so we can have even more time to talk about the news and cues you see that's how you do good social media kids just uh, everything short to the point <laughs> exactly these fast-paced society today we say <laughs> often doing two-hour podcasts <laughs> yeah yeah we're saving five seconds every week every week <laughs> but it's worth it it's worth it indeed uh great show coming up we're gonna take a look at the special look at star wars visions in the news in a second but before we get to all that we always love to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by audible 
Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash forcecenter. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. As always, a little bit later, we'll have our Force Center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. But as always, that is not all, Joseph. No, there is so much more, uh, and the more is Inside Editions. They're a publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books, as well as a bunch of other great genre books. They are offering 35% off across their website with a special Force Center code. To get your discount, you can enter the coupon code FC35, or you can visit the website with this link, InsideEditions.com slash discount slash FC35. This week, we are once again recommending the Inside Editions book, Secrets of the Jedi. Uh, This is one of my favorite books. I know Ken loves it as well. And it is of particular note this week because one of our bits of news is about the sequel to Secrets of the Jedi, which is Secrets of the Sith. We are very excited to talk about that. You can check out Secrets of the Jedi right now with the code FC35. FC 35, use it, and we are going to be talking about that a little bit later in the news. But before we get to that, as always, we love to uh, check in uh, on Star Wars and or life adventures, 4th of July weekend here in the States. Uh, whether or not uh, you uh, go full in depth into celebrating that or holding a sparkler or eating a hot dog, we hope you had a good one. Uh, Joseph, how was your, your uh, life adventures this past week? That was good. Very good. It's a very uh, active and full weekend. Uh, my wife uh, works a lot uh, at her job, so she had some good time off because of the uh, holiday. So it was really nice to spend some time together. Uh, I got a new phone and, and had to both enjoy it and shake my fist at technology because it took a long time to set up. <laughs> uh, we had some uh, nice cocktails out and about uh, in, uh, in our home here in Los Angeles, which was great. Uh, and I had a lot of fun little Star Wars adventures uh, this week. I found the um, the Funko Pop that I've been looking for, which is the uh, Palpatine from Rise of Skywalker, where he has remade his robes. And I want uh, the action figures of that that are not released yet. And for now, I will just enjoy that Funko Pop in his wonderful new threads that he made out of the life energy of Ray and Ben. <laughs> Look, a lot of crazy things uh, in all Star Wars movies. That one might be one of the more craziest, and I love it because uh, I. It's, it's to me, it's like his inner desires, right? It really is, and he's just like, you know what? Uh, I am ancient. I am undeniable. The Sith will rise again. It has always been this way. It always will be. It always should be. But also, I've been out of commission for a while, and I deserve some fancy new duds. <laughs> a little splash of color, a little splash of red. Yeah, so I'm delighted to have that uh, Funko Pop and look at it and go, that's Palpatine, but also those clothes. There's a little bit of Ray and Ben. <laughs> it's also a Funko of Ray and Ben. Yeah. Uh, but the the uh, really fun Star Wars adventure this week, um, 4th of July, on actual 4th of July, uh, Sarah and I watched some different movies and we had some different celebrations. Um, uh, Sarah was big into like, you know what? Oh, let's get like, super traditional 4th of July food. So uh, Sarah is a vegetarian, so she got some uh, veggie dogs and I got some just Oscar Mayer beef franks, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I have not had in a long time. Uh, and we uh, had that for lunch. And then uh, we're kind of trying to figure out what we wanted to watch just for kind of lunch in the middle of this big day we had planned. And Sarah was like, I just want to watch a random episode of Clone Wars. Not an arc, just one specific episode. and you know if if it could kind of be related to fourth of july in some way uh that'd be great so i was like oh this is a fun challenge uh so i ended up picking the episode uh that i think you and i both really enjoyed when we watched it for clone wars report 
it's from the first season. It's Trespass, right? Mm. Uh, it's the episode with uh, Rio Chuchi and uh, Chairman Cho, uh, where they uh, Chairman Cho is very aggressive about wanting to control the moon of Ordo Plutonia, uh, and and is aggressive towards the Talls and got a bunch of great uh, negotiations, a bunch of great discussions about uh, how government works and uh, who who, uh, uh, who has sovereignty and how everyone should be treated as equal. So I was like, okay, that's pretty good. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. It's not a one-to-one comparison, but there are a lot of uh, conceptual ideals going on there. No. So uh, so we watched that and it was it was great. What, what are some of the logistics in this choice? Sarah lays down the gauntlet, says, this is what I'd like to do. And she's maybe, you know, preparing some veggie dogs or something. You're, you're, are you scrolling through going, yes, no, yes, no, no. Or did you kind of just jump in where the force led you? Uh, I, I ran through like my kind of mental Rolodex of mm-hmm. what are standalone episodes? Because they're mostly in the first half. In the later half, you know, there just aren't as many standalone episodes. Uh, so I was like, oh, maybe Bounty Hunters. That's really fun. And it's got some great Ahsoka stuff. And Sarah really loves Ahsoka. Uh, then I just opened up Disney plus and scrolled through and it's like, yes, trespass. That's the one. That's the one, uh, in the, the sort of, uh, conclusion to this Mm -hmm. epic star Wars life adventure was, uh, I I've mentioned on the podcast recently, I have been buying some comfort action figures, yeah, but I haven't been taking them out of their boxes of, uh, the actual like shipping box. (laughs) So I get them and then I'm like, okay, I'm going to wait for like a fun day and a fun moment to open them. And after we watched Trespass, I remembered that I had ordered a action figure related to the episode. So I opened it up and I blew Sarah's mind of like, hey, you know that uh, episode we just watched where Obi-Wan Kenobi has the uh, the winter weather outfit? Here's an action figure of Obi-Wan from that one episode. <laughs> and she was like, what? What is this? This is great. Uh, and that might be my uh, right now my new favorite action figure. It's uh, I love it. You, you can pull his hood off, but in the package he's got his hood pulled up so like there's just like almost none of obi-wan's face showing it just totally looks like i'm very cold and i don't want to engage with anything (laughs) (laughs) uh which yeah that's why i love the cold (laughs) (laughs) it's yeah it's uh not only is it like a unique obi-wan figure and that's been my favorite thing to collect recently is just weird obi-wans but you know having grown up in Minnesota, in the Midwest, where it's very hot and very cold, it is really great to see that sort of like um, mm. both a cold and emotionally repressed Obi-Wan of like, I do not want to engage <laughs> with the cold or my emotions. Shut it all down. Just doing the uh, force close of the door on Padme's ship, which is a great <laughs> meme to use. <laughs> yes, and I'd like a figure of that, too. Yeah. Uh, so I'm thrilled. I'll probably be doing a TikTok with that Obi-Wan yeah. uh, figure sharing that one because it is just great. I love it. The, well, I can't remember the last time I actually opened an action figure, and there is a certain thrill to that, uh, as you know, as you're describing even right here, right now. And I, as you're talking, I'm like, maybe I should just do it. I should just open up one of my figures just to get that feel, just to hold the hold <laughs> Leia and combat poncho in, in your hand, or that Jar Jar. I have the Jar Jar one, the Leia and the Han from Endor. Uh, uh, gifted to me from the great first rate Nader, one of our listeners. And I'm looking at it right now and I'm like, what if I just took it out of the package? What would that, yeah. what would no, that I be? I mean, on TikTok, I've been making the, the joke about not opening them and, you know, from the packages. And, and to be clear, I didn't take this Obi-Wan out of his action figure package. Yeah. I just opened him from the Amazon box. <laughs> oh, uh, 
Wow, yeah. I, mean, I miss, miss maybe because I was daydreaming about opening a package. Well, but I think I mm-hmm. think there is a power in that because when as soon as I got that one, I was like, I should get another so I can open him. I don't think there's anything wrong with opening them. That's you same. know, same for me. It's just like a, a, the package, the presentation is part of what I love. Mm-hmm. So there's a part of me that likes to preserve it. But I've had two Leia's from the Last Jedi line. Yeah, since like uh twenty early twenty eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> when I found the figure, I've had two of her. I even know which one I'm going to open, but I just get kind of ritualistic about it. And I'm waiting for like, what's the right day? Maybe the day that Carrie Fisher gets her star. I'll open up that layer, but I'm so Ooh. excited to open. That's a good one. Yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. You just don't want to, I don't know. It's like, I, if anyone gets me a good bottle of whiskey or something, I've sometimes held on to them for two years. I'm like, I don't, I don't think it's the occasion. I don't think it's the right occasion yet. Yeah, right. You want that big moment. And I think that's for me, that's not anything that I think other people should do things that way. That's just a personal quirk. Uh, that's just me being weird. <laughs> hey, hey, part of figure collecting is all of us being wonderfully weird with our own. Yes, collecting. yes. Yeah. Uh, so those are my many adventures. Oh, the last thing I did want to say is just yeah. um, that looking at that Obi-Wan action figure um, that is truly just from the episode Trespass. And the figure description on the back is just like, yep, he once went to this planet and dealt with the tolls. Uh, man, I, I wish we were in an action figure market where it's just like an episode of Bad Batch would come out and then like the figures from that specific episode come out, period. Yeah, 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 that'd be great. Oh, that'd be great. It was a golden time, a Gold. golden time. Golden time. Yeah. Anyway, I want to hear about your adventures. Uh, you know, nothing. Uh, I, I've been on a, I want not a Star Wars rut because you and I, we had fun reading the Rise of Storm. Uh, I have started, I believe you have started Race to Crash Point Tower, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm having a lot of fun with that. Uh, we'll do a deep dive on that very soon here on the channel. So uh, not, I haven't, I haven't been without Star Wars, but I've just been busy or, or hitting the, when I hit the treadmill, I always like to, you know, that's when I'll usually watch a Clone Wars or Rebels or a Star Wars movie or more of than I, more of than not, I, I do a cardio to Star Wars documentaries. It's, it just, I've been, I've been specifically like, all right, let me try to watch something else. So I, I think I mentioned a few, I, I, I'm a big fan of the Soderbergh Ocean's 11 remake. Um, I know 12 and 13 aren't as well received or anything, but I've just like, I'm going to, I'm going to watch that whole trilogy slowly over the course of a couple weeks while I work out. Nice. That first uh, one is great though. First one is great. And yeah, I, 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 12 and 13 don't have, have the magic for me. There's some great moments in them uh, and you know, I think they do some great stuff with the characters, but yeah, without a doubt. Um, 11 just feels like a good meal at the smokehouse, you know, <laughs> just as that but. But I got through, got through all of them at the end of 13, which is a bigger scale one. Uh, Al Pacino playing Willie Bank. They got his big casino they're getting in. And I just, we've talked about it before and there's been little, uh, you know, criminals teaming up, thieving going on. Um, we mentioned, mentioned Cad Bane and his um, big uh, broadcast debut. It's almost like a diehard in space. So there's been little flavors uh, and spices and little pinches of of uh, thieves stealing in Star Wars, without a doubt, including eh, the rebels stealing plans. Let's say, <laughs> I, I, I am more interested in uh, a standalone. It doesn't need to be a movie. I don't know. A standalone stealing from Canto Bite type of Star Wars swanky cool thieving picture. Yes, absolutely. The word heist got thrown around a lot for Rogue One, and I I remember getting excited about it, even kind of asking people's opinions about it, uh, if it was going to, you know, dive into a little bit of that aesthetic. It seemed like maybe not, since it's kind of a a brutal time, and it didn't. But I think that's what's so fascinating, is there's been a ton of great heist storytelling in Star Wars, but there hasn't been a heist aesthetic. 
Yeah. Of let's let's how do you you know get get a Kevin Kiner you know sort of a jazzy heist score you know mm-hmm. <laughs> set it at Cantobite like you're talking about that would be great. Yeah, I mean you know do you need to steal from uh, the rich to fund the rebellion? Uh, even though you know Finn and Rose will have some thoughts on arms dealers and whatnot, but I I don't know I, I'm not here to pitch a story, but I just there's something about the the vibe and what I do maybe it made me think a lot about Cantobite and how. Uh, you know, uh, plot aside, and some people love it, some people don't. I I come down on the side of I, I really like the lessons learned there, and I wish I would we would have spent more time on Cantabite. But I I love this idea of seeing the upper crust and dressing a little fancy. I love the idea of Ryan Johnson telling Michael Kaplan, "No, no, 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 we're, we're we we're going to try this. It's never been done. We're going to try this fancy side of Star Wars, the fancy life." Uh, I'm fascinated by uh, what that would look like on a, on a larger scale. So maybe that's where it comes from. So yeah, there you go. You never know. You're watching a heist picture with George Clooney and next thing you know, you're thinking about Star Wars. Yep. That's uh, it happens. Do you want George Clooney in it? Do you want uh, George Clooney uh, to uh, pretend I, to be a uh, suave? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Danae uh, was <laughs> Yeah. I, I, I'm a Clooney fan. I, I maybe going back to uh, ER actually, quite frankly, even before, uh, was it Facts of Life uh, and Booker first season of Roseanne? I, I guess I know more of Clooney stuff than I care to admit. Uh, so I actually do. Uh, it, it would work in a way. It, it would be somewhat distracting. I believe the bigger the star, sometimes you could you could run into some of those distractions. But I think for this, uh, you know, why not? It would work. Yeah, you know what? Uh, put him in a Rodian suit. He'll be totally disguised and he'll be great. Or, or you know, make him a grizzled weirdo bartender. Like, just totally go that direction. Different. Yeah, just give him a cameo. Yeah, Danny Cameo. There you go. Danny Cameo. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was it. That was it. That was my That's Star Wars. Great mental adventure into Star Wars. Yeah, indeed. Uh, from there, we're going to go into the Star Wars news and a big week. Some fun stuff to talk about. And we finally finally get to talk a little bit more in depth about star wars visions that's because as expected we got that special look at star wars visions at the anime expo light uh that was over this weekend now it was at a panel and i did check today if you want to watch the whole panel you can go to the anime uh expo website but there's a registration fee so uh, i did a u-turn on that pathway (laughs) Uh, so there you go uh so uh, joseph i'll go through some quick facts and then we can dive in a little bit more here At uh, Star Wars Visions, there are seven production companies, and they've made nine shorts. Each film will have their own style and own story. And you can see, if you watch the special look, you can see all kinds of styles represented there, all kind of of vibes and feels, and we'll talk about that. They will be released on Disney Plus on September 22nd. To my knowledge, Joseph, correct me if I have missed it, that is a one-time, one-release day. I mean, it will be up there and be available, but this isn't a released over course of weeks thing, right? Did I get yes. that wrong? Yeah. Okay. No, I had to dig and cross-reference. So I went and looked at uh, the press release uh, that Force Center was sent uh, from yeah. from Disney, and the press release is explicit that it is all episodes will be released on September 22nd. There you go. That is true. And then a uh, quick fact on just one film, Tatooine Rhapsody is a rock opera. Yes. It's one of the only ones uh, to feature classic characters. Jabba and Boba Fett are in there uh, as well. So uh, it says they say one of the only ones. We'll see if any other characters pop up. Uh, so there you go. That's some quick facts there. Star Wars Visions at the, uh, I keep saying anime. We know it's anime expo. I want to get it right. Uh, Joseph, what do you think about those quick facts? What, what What's your takes on the quick facts. 
Uh, these are great quick facts. I love the date, knowing the date that they're coming. Uh, I love knowing that they're all going to be released at once. Uh, I think the only bit of like just crunchy knowledge that we don't have yet is the exact length. And I, I suspect that's because they vary wildly. Like, uh, the, I have no information on this. I'm just guessing that like some of them might be four minutes and some of them might, you know, maybe there's one they talk about being epic. Maybe that one's like, you know, an hour. Who knows? Uh, yeah. But they, they do say shorts. So uh, that's the only bit of crunchy information we don't have. Um, so yeah, no, I'm thrilled. You got uh, some other, uh, I, I will hold myself back because you got some other great uh, information and, and thoughts and questions, but big picture, yeah. thrilled, excited. Yeah, let's go to, I think, what is the big one. Uh, one of the questions coming into this uh, presentation has become a capital D, capital T discourse topic this week <laughs> in Star Wars. As I'm going to say expected and not a surprise, it was confer confirmed by James Waugh, uh, the uh, VP at Lucasfilm. Uh, that uh, these films are are uh, not considered canon. Uh, James said, I can pull the exact quote, but he, he said uh, it was important to give creators a wide creative berth. So, Joseph, we'll start there with what do we feel about this? I, I'm going to say confirmation because, again, we, we kind of had the vibe that this was not going to be canon material. And then we can get into a little uh, get into the weeds on that discussion. Yeah, I think my big question uh, is if it was going to be reinterpretations, uh, like Galaxy of Adventures did such a great job, right. uh, that Titmouse animation series of taking known scenes and then, you know, uh, jazzing them up, reinterpreting them uh, in, in animation form. So there's a part of me that was wondering, like, is it was it going to be, OK, it's the Death Star Trench run, but done in this style with this aesthetic. So I'm thrilled. Uh, I'd be happy for that. But I'm really thrilled that it is this expression of just absolutely go play. Mm. Um, in terms of this sort of larger discourse topic about what is canon and what isn't, I just really feel like um, <laughs> for me, this is one of those times that you can uh, take a lesson from uh, from Star Wars, that there is there's value in uh, being uh, uh, knowledgeable and specific and precise and there's value in just letting everything go and playing and be wild and fun. You know, like mm -hmm. I almost think about it like look at it like you're a Jedi, right? And like a Jedi at their height has all of that training, all of that precision, all of that experience. But mm -hmm. you also have to just let go and be intuitive and flowing and open to the moment as well. You know, mm -hmm. uh, books describe really well getting into the head of, of Jedi and like remembering their training and having that precision versus also just being open and playing. And for me, that's a little bit as fans, like we kind of get both sides, you know, exploring things that are like, it's canon. And it, that means that it's, it's kind of a, in some ways meticulous of like, you, you, it's really watched over and it's really like, Mm -hmm. But if it can't be here, then <laughs> we yeah. should really make sure that this that if it's before a return of the Jedi, he's in his Empire Strikes Back armor. Like there's a bunch of stuff that is when it's like in canon, it, it's fun. Right. And and yeah. even things like um, Luke showing up at the end of Mandalorian season two. I love that because that feels right for canon. Right. Because when when Grogu called out for help in the in the wonderful canon, that's the person who would answer the call. So I love the canon stuff. But then I also love what's going on here with the visions, which is like, forget about any of that. Forget about where it falls in the timeline or if that aesthetic matches this aesthetic. Just go wild. Just follow your intuition. Follow the spirit, not any rules. Just the spirit. Don't worry about the rules. I really think there's room for both in Star Wars storytelling. And I'm really happy that visions is is exploring this Um totally open-ended sense of play yeah yeah you're you're um 
you're on you're, you're spot on with the Luke and Mandalorian stuff or that where to me was a great example of uh both sides being celebrated. This is where the story went. Favreau said, I didn't know if I thought that was the way. I just wanted to get, I got there creatively. And then it makes sense for canon. And we are canon junkies. I, I, I think most Star Wars fans are, whether you were Legends canon or, or Expanded Universe canon or, or, or uh, you know, a uh, Star Wars Explained fan now and looking where it all lays on the map. We love it. That's why we're here. We want to know. And I want to know the answers. I just, I'll use the term, I was, I was relieved to find out that this had, Nothing to do with that. It was all just looking at Star Wars and then having this. And we're going to talk about the, a, a great influence on Star Wars reflected now back on the on, on, on creators who are part of the original influence, the style that's part of the original influence of Star Wars. It's just wild and crazy and it can go anywhere. And I feel excited and relieved. I use the term relieved because I, I remember the, the, the first Forces of Destiny episode where everyone went 12 rounds over how much BB eight weighed. <laughs> and you know, that's, that's pun intended, I guess. It's just weighty stuff, man, where I'm just, sometimes I get exhausted and we all listening, get exhausted and you don't want to go negative. You don't want to be one of those, you know, you want to be me. I'm a grumpy Luke on the Island with every word muted. That's not fun for, for, for a star Wars fan with a heart just burbling with uh, star Wars joy. So I really excited that this was, the only decision in my mind. Why? Why? It's just go wild. You're fans of Star Wars. You work in other styles. It's not relatively uh, just even just on the basis, you know, the, the animation style. You just bring it all here and go where you want to go. That's powerful to me. Absolutely. And uh, I think for me, uh, I'm, I'd be happy to see more storytelling like this. Mm-hmm. But this in particular, I am not an expert on anime or anime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I am not an expert by any means. But I kind of did a, a, a dive into it uh, about 10 years ago. I had a couple of friends who were like, OK, well, we'll show you a couple of things and you can get a little bit more of a sense of, um, you know, what it is. Uh, and I watched Cowboy Bebop, this one called Outlaw Star. I watched uh, the, the card capture Sakura, <laughs> which is this mm-hmm. uh, very uh, collectible <laughs> right. uh, version of, uh, of anime. And I wrote a a show at the Fringe Festival uh, that I used to participate in that was partially inspired by anime. And the, the thing that I really pulled out of anime for my own reaction to it was it, it, one of the things that seemed to bind the storytelling style together for me is this idea of taking all of these kind of known elements, um, kind of mythic things, character archetypes, and this extreme value in the point is take all the ingredients mm-hmm. and cook something new yeah in that world building and how are we going to take these ingredients and make something that's truly expressive of of this particular group of creators is what was really powerful about anime is this uh feeling of world building so for me it, it, that approach and again i'm not an expert that was just my personal reception mm-hmm. to, to watching a very small amount of anime but from that perspective it makes a ton of sense to go here. Take all these core ideas of Star Wars and remix them however you want. To me, seems like the spirit of anime. That yeah, that's that, no. I'll, I'll give you a well said on that for sure. And 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 how <laughs> uh, how excited it is for me to take take the base level, the base ingredients, the stuff you're talking about it, and 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 by having uh, other creators and a group of creators kind of re envision it. And that's going to help you help us, all of us, to even look at what makes Star Wars work from another point of view and just really almost 
reaffirm that these these little magical elements are why we love Star Wars and why we're here. And they can translate to some other things just because, uh, you know, George was looking around going, what can I what can I take? What has influenced me from the serials to samurai films all this kind of, and, and put it into a story? And so it's like it is this circle. And I, I'm excited to really find the heart of Star Wars in something that maybe even on the surface doesn't look like Star Wars right away. And then you can again almost prove the existence of star wars <laughs> yeah yeah it's just a great a great sense of of play and, and i think you know whether or not something's canon i love canon i am a canon junkie a canon hound i i kind of do want the the major releases to remain in this shared uh reality uh but i also want star wars to have this sense of play and i want it to be that canon or not isn't what matters of like if if you're moved if you're affected if you think about the story if you fall in love with the story that's all that matters yeah no and look at and related to you know some of the other stuff lately of of uh, comic books being scenes being reworked or novels and stuff and we've talked about it a lot we'll talk about it again because i'm sure it will happen again i to- i'm t- i totally get it i totally get it you know i i understand it uh, I love the Ahsoka book. I love the the, the canon comic. But at the end of the day, to side on the um, you know the side to err on the side of creative <laughs> is uh, is something I'm always going to be excited. And this is so so wild and so fun. Uh, um, so what do we think about that, Joseph? What do, now that we've seen what is coming, little clips here and there, art pieces. What do we think about Star Wars looking at uh, part of its roots? And reconnect them in this way. I, I touch upon a little bit here, but what what are you uh, excited about uh, in, in this forthcoming release? I think I was really excited by the variety. Like uh, I like uh, in this project and, and in these presentations, they're really being explicit about uh, some uh, among the many influences for Star Wars: uh, Japanese culture and art and and samurai and, and animation. That that was all a part of it. So this is. Uh, having the culture that was borrowed from, ex- mm. you know, come full circle, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, so that that is an explicit part of this. But I think what was really fun then is to see those clips and see like variety, like some of the images uh, of Jedi look like very traditional Star Wars images, like the kind of images that inspired Star Wars. Right. Right. Uh, but then there's like much more modern stuff, like the chibi stuff, like the little bit, you know, more the the, the short and the cute, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's great to see that variety that it's not just sort of like these more uh, expected samurai images, but just a wild explosion of uh, creativity and fun in, in just I mean looking forward to the variety in the animation and the storytelling. Yeah. You touched upon something that was interesting because there was a lot of shots that went, Oh yeah, that's kind of what I would expect. And we'll say like the samurai feel to just describe it in general. Uh, I, I kind of was, Oh yeah, I'm sure that's coming away. But then you're right. Then there were some other things, uh, the little short, cute things, as you said, uh, even a character we're going to discuss that's a, uh, you know, a rabbit. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, that I, I, not surprised that that's there, but I am excited to, I don't want to say challenge like I'm sitting there with my arms folded, but just be like, all right, it's it's an easier leap for me to look at uh, something that has um, uh, a classic samurai feel and go, oh, yeah, that's Star Wars. It's That's an easy leap for me. But to look at something else that's a little, little more different, a little more out there and connecting to, um, uh, you know, uh, the joy that might be inherent in a, in, a, in a children's story. Or they even talked about in the video of. Uh, sweeping romance, which we know is a part of Star Wars. We know it's a vital ingredient and to see it from another angle. And I'm, I'm more interested to see how I react to some of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And, and I, it's really great just in the trailer uh, preview that we got to see to, to see the aesthetic exploration, but they, all the creators are talking a lot about what specific 
ideas or yeah. core themes of Star Wars they were interested in. And I'm really excited to just dig into the story and see uh, what are the interpretations of the themes? How much is it like this? Uh, th this discussion of this theme feels very, very similar to uh, what's in the films, in the shows, in the books. Uh, that have been produced or what is like, let's take this theme, but then there's a slightly different cultural view of it. You know, um, I'm really excited to dig into that. Yeah. Excited indeed. And yeah, the, the themes uh, that you mentioned and just um, it's kind of what we keep talking about here. So I'm excited about it uh, just in, in that regard of just uh, Star Wars getting to looking on itself. And, and, and we'll talk about here some of uh, our visual, favorite visuals and clips, but final note for me uh, on some kind of the general discussion, Joseph, is this, um, I don't know. It, it this just has a feeling of of fun, and you talked about joy and everything. It, it, it just I'm I'm excited for that, and excited to sit down as a Star Wars fan and just go into something that that just looks back at Star Wars, which is what we do every day or every week <laughs> in this podcast. You out there listening, all these stories, the Star Wars. This is one of the reasons we we talk about having Star Wars and life adventures because that's what we're all doing. And to see it on the grand scale, I hope they do more of these kind of things, including um, Slice of Life, docu-series, anything that has, has to do with the fandom of Star Wars, creators being influenced by Star Wars in, in ways that are not uh, immediately present because they're making a Star Wars movie that's in theaters. You know, like, this is, this is going to be just fun as a fan. Absolutely, absolutely. I think, uh, I know I'm repeating myself, but I think it is just really important to have that sense of, of play, sense of inclusion, you know, um, and I think that... Uh, Disney when they took over you know and it's getting getting to be a while now ago now right where they were really like let's really let, let's really reinvest in in the core of Star Wars let's really get it on its feet you know and I think something like this is really getting back to I think of a place that that Lucas was with Star Wars of like it's a sandbox playing it yeah you, God, you just maybe we're, we're coming up on 10 years of that sale oh my god Next oh year. wow yeah <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Time, Shia goes. Uh, but uh, open forum time. What are some of your favorite visuals and clips that you're looking forward to that grabbed you? Ooh, yeah. So it, some of the some of it was the visual, and some of it was the just those little quick uh, snips mm -hmm. with uh, of of interview with uh, some of the creators. Um, yeah. the Tatooine Rhapsody, uh, the the one that's the rock opera, looks amazing, right? Just the there's a one shot of Boba Fett. There's a one shot of Jabba uh, drinking from that weird space. <laughs> yeah stein wine glass uh, uh i love it uh so i'm just really intrigued this is i think this is the kind of thing that we've talked about joked about i know every other star wars fan and broadcaster has as well mm. so i'm just excited to see like that story of a of a band you know try right. trying to make it big while caught up in the criminal underworld so i'm really excited about that one yeah um the the one uh, that I believe has the uh, the rabbit character, which looked really interesting. Yeah. Uh, one of the uh, the creators involved had this quote of a uh, the des design style in this short really focuses on the collision between natural beauty and encroaching industrialization, uh, with mm -hmm. the empire representing the march of technology. Uh, that's one of those uh, Star Wars dualities that I'm on about all the time mm -hmm. about the, you know, the organic uh, versus the technical and the, the rigid and the mechanical. And I'm so excited to see a short that's like uh, visual uh, style wise. We're really focused on that contrast in Star Wars. So really excited about that one. Yeah. 
And then uh, I got I got two more. Do you want me to share or should I shut up for a minute and let you go? <laughs> yeah, why don't you shut up for a minute? I'll dive into some of the stuff. I think we went to some of the same spots too and just where some of the these little interviews were exciting. And uh, one of them was uh, Kenji Kamiya saying a Kamiyama, excuse me, I forgot the name there, uh, saying a lightsaber is the stuff of children's dreams. That got me. I don't know why. I, that just it, it kind of inspired me on a level I didn't expect from this sneak peek. You know, I was like, hey, show me some art. You know, I think it was a cynical Saturday, you know, sitting down after a long day. And that got me of just like, yeah, this is this is kind of the spirit of what we're what we're doing here. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think we've had some good conversations when we've done episodes about lightsabers. But and I think we can have do deep dives and go like, okay, but where did that person get their uh, kyber mm-hmm. crystal? And how does that, and then when, where is the, um, you, where's the emitter? Where is that, you know, it's usually obvious where the emitter is, but you know what I mean? We can get technical about it. And I think that just like that utter thrill from that very first scene of this is the weapon of a Jedi, you know, yeah. re, just refocusing on that spirit, extremely thrilling. Yeah. And, and some visuals uh, got me here. It's, it's, I um, I'm doing my best to describe them, but I think if you watched, you kind of know there was that one shot uh, it's got to be from the Tatooine uh, um, uh, rock opera, Joseph. The X-Wing nose down in the sand with the twin sons. Uh, beautiful. Utterly beautiful. Hang that on my wall right now. Yeah. Oh, God, that looks great. And then there was one, that one shot of the wise old tree, I'm calling it, against the red sunset. And then, like, these walls suddenly appear around it. But just that shot, too. And, and it's funny because you, you look at that, and it's, it, it, it's an old kind of mystic-looking tree. There's nothing inherently Star Wars about just the visual. But you look at it, you go, oh, Star Wars. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's like it's organic and flowing, but it uh, and it's also ancient, and mm-hmm. you know, there, there's so many you know those deep uh, feelings that I do think do cross cultures that Star Wars evokes. Like I just see that in that tree. Like you yeah. know, wh- how long has that tree been there? What does it what does it know? What does it feel? <laughs> yeah. What can we learn from that tree? You know, yeah. A couple other visuals for me. Then I'll kick it back to you here. Just there's a the, the hero. I'm saying uh, I, I, I think it might be from the twins one there's that there's that the, the one based around twins they said uh hero standing against like blue stormtroopers and a wild looking villain uh and and it, and it's uh it's it it struck me oddly enough as it, it's clearly anime style but it, it had it had macquarie in it as well mm. like, uh it, it, it so i'm like this is just a circle of wonderful influences and then those same characters there's that other shot of them shooting red and blue lightning each other Mm. Uh, which did obviously invoke some of the rise of Skywalker visuals and marketing. Uh, but it just there again, too, just something that's just completely original that is so Star Wars. And those shots got me excited. Yeah. Yeah. There was one shot. Um, I think it, it was the um, the uh, short that was being just sort of described as a love letter to Star Wars. But mm-hmm. it was really a pretty just direct interpretation of a lot of uh, known characters and known aliens in a more traditional Japanese style. And it's like... It's a, a Bosque in a more in more Japanese oh, yeah, outfit yeah. or a Trandoshan. And then uh, there's a Doug, maybe it's a ball, but, but a Doug uh, riding around in like a hollowed out uh, probe droid. Yes. <laughs> that just is an image that was like, damn, that's so cool to just see something you love reinterpreted into a different aesthetic, into a, you know, a different culture. So that one just uh, visually was really powerful. Um, yeah. The, the description of the twins being about dark side twins. That's so great. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really intrigued by that. But the other two that really got me, uh, the village bride, um, the director speaking about it, uh, Hitoshi Haga uh, said, I wanted to include the concept of tra- traditional Japanese culture of mountains. 
Mm. And the description of Village Bride and the images of uh, kind of a, a little community gathered around was all really intriguing to me. But that was one of the like direct ideas of we are affected by where we live. Our environment is a part of our culture. And I think that has been baked into Star Wars with like, mm. what does it do to you to grow up on Tatooine uh, versus Alderaan? Not, not just culturally, but just like, aesthetically shaped by you know the environment that you're in so to hear like i'm so curious to see like what does that mean yeah. you know what what is uh what what ideas about the the power of mountains or living in mountains and how life is different on a mountain uh is going to be incorporated into star wars so i was like really excited by that thematically and then the last one that was been really getting me is uh the elder uh yes. Mashikyo Atsuka, I believe. I apologize uh, mm-hmm. for my not great pronunciation. Um, that one just looks great with uh, kind of traditional um, Jedi and Padawan uh, having an adventure. Uh, but then in that preview, the director says, I am happy I directed a Star Wars episode as my final work. Yes. And I looked him up. He has an uh, amazing <laughs> mm. resume uh, it, with it, having worked on some, you know, huge, huge uh, cornerstones of the art form. And he's retiring, according to um, a message board I found. Uh, and I, it was interesting to cross-reference that with uh, another description of this short said. So the Elder, that title has double meaning. So it's like, is this a Star Wars story about the the value of growing old uh by somebody who is retiring like by by a a, a rock star you know in a, a jedi master of animation retiring so th- that one i'm really excited for that might be the one i'm most excited for uh yeah i wrote that one that one down too because um i i, I yeah look i love that you pointed that out because uh I just I've been watching the the CNN doc about the story of late night and just reliving uh, Carson just dropping his retirement at the uh, advertising uh, meeting in New York in '92 <laughs> and, and this so then I was watching this the same day and I was like did he just do that did he just tell all of his fans oh yeah you're gonna enjoy this by the way I'm done <laughs> I was fascinated by it and what a way to go and the, some of the designs that you saw for that um, are. Or what I was talking about earlier of of an easier leap for me to go like, oh, that just doesn't just look Star Wars. That is so Star Wars. I could see it um, as, as a concept art for a series or something on Disney Plus uh, that, that that is, uh, you know, coming down the line. You know what I mean? Like it just had that vibe and it just everything about that story and who they meet. There's some concept designs maybe of, of who um, a Sith like character they're meeting. That one just pulled me in. It just I'm, I'm excited to see that one. Yeah, absolutely. That one really grabbed me. Are you excited for the uh, the rock opera? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I am. Uh, because as much as we have, you're so right, we have talked about, you know, could there be a VH1 behind the music on uh, Figure and Dan, all stuff. I, I love to see that stuff. But if it was too straightforward, uh, you know, too like a Disney Plus 30-minute f- cheeky documentary on, on Figure and Dan and the modal notes, but it's kind of canon, there again would be that certain amount of pressure on it. I'd still want that. This one, I have no expectations other than blow my mind. Yeah, I think what I'm really excited about it is it could be anything. You know, it, it looks like it's going to be fun and, and just visually thrilling and all that. But you know, I think I've always been interested in this little picture that we get in Star Wars, where we almost always see uh, musicians, entertainers, uh, absolutely tied to criminal organizations. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm a big fan of uh, an era of musical history where 
hey, if you wanted to perform in a club, guess what? You knew mobsters because mobsters owned the clubs and that's just it. You didn't have a choice. Do you want to work? Then you're tied to the mob, kind of, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, and I, I just, I'm so curious if that's going to be like the, like, we are young. We want to get our voices out there. We want to share our perspective with rock. And in order to do that, we have to sign contracts with killers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With Job of the Hut, you know? Yeah. Job of the Hut owns the club. What are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? No, I'm excited about that one. And 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 um, as someone who grew up a, a fan of Robotech, as I've talked about on the, on, on the show, which was, to be clear, they, they, a very Americanized version of of that tale, um, but it still had all the elements because it, it was the, the animation style. It, it, music is all through that. In, in the weirdest way, the way there at times Robotech is a musical, <laughs> and you got Min May uh, singing a, during the final battle. You know, stage fright, go. I mean, I, and all the other songs she sings. Like, so it would. I, I, I absolutely kind of maybe subconsciously wanted one to have just a bunch of music all through. <laughs> <laughs> so love that. And the, the final big one. Um, they're really talking about this ninth, uh, the ninth Jedi one. They, mm-hmm. they describe it as, as epic. Uh, they say it is um, two separate shorts as how it began. One was set, be set in a time when Jedi have fallen into legend and need to come back as darkness threatens the galaxy. Love that. With the daughter of a lightsaber smith seeking out the Jedi and delivering their weapons. Full stop. I need that in feature-length form right now. I right. love that pitch. And then it goes into the other stories told from the point of view of eight warriors coming together, learning they are indeed force sensitive and can trust each other. So they combine those kind of stories. If you're pitching that as some kind of movie set in the old Republic or something like that, or somewhere else, I am, uh, I'm there for that. I love that pitch. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think they said in one of the things like they had us at lightsaber Smith mm-hmm. uh, with this pitch, like yep. yeah, lightsaber in, in, in some ways, lightsaber Smith, just that, that phrase is just, so intoxicating (laughs) but it is it's a great example of let's just let's just play let's just be open-minded right because there's something that absolutely uh uh, matches stories that have been told uh, about samurai from this culture of like you you get your sword from the master sword maker right so lightsaber smith makes so much sense as something to explore but then if you put your cannon hat on you could be like but the canon is that a jedi has to make their own lightsaber so blah blah so you can't blah you know Mm. And this to me is one of those like, okay, this is what's great about this. Uh, hey, I love Presser Huang and the Crucible and the, the Gathering and, and all those stories. But just like, those stories will always exist. Set them aside and let's lose our minds about a lightsaber smith and yeah. let's just play. Yeah. I, I, yeah. And then you could, you could depending on, on how well this hits me, and I'm anticipating perhaps well, <laughs> uh, you, you could you can convince me to uh, say, uh, well, 5,000 years ago, there was like a lightsaber smith. He had a shop there on Illinois. <laughs> right, right. Why not? Why not? Why not? Well, that's kind of a look at everything coming. I mean, there's a lot there, even in about a four minute video. I'm sure all of you listening have checked it out. And, and uh, you know, we'll see. Some, some people might not be super excited. Some, some are excited. And then some are just throwing uh, bricks at each other over cannon. Whatever. This is here. <laughs> it's coming September 22nd. We cannot wait to dive in here on Force Center. Absolutely. Next story, uh, this one is a little one, but I thought it was really fun. Uh, Poe Dameron's X-Wing is to go on display. That's right. The National Air and Space Space Museum from the Smithsonian, there's where all my T's and H's were getting my tongue twisted, will be displaying <laughs> Poe Dameron's X-Wing from the rise of Skywalker. This is the uh, orange-tinged X-Wing. This is a 
long-term loan, they said. Uh, Full-size. This is a full-size X-Wing with a 37-foot wingspan. And the Space History Chair at the Museum, Margaret Whitecamp, said this. All air and space milestones begin with inspiration, and science fiction so often provides that spark. The iconic X-Wing displayed amid our other spacecraft celebrates the journey from imagination to achievement. Thoughts on this uh, literal coming together, Joseph, of romance and realism in our own world? <laughs> yeah, it's great. I think it is a really great full circle thing, and I, I think this is so true, right? There's so many uh, people who will respond to um, – uh, request for like, hey, how did you get into uh, science or uh, aviation? And people will respond to Star Trek and Star Wars and mm. I'm sure Robotech too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, that it is just great to see that, you know, this full circle of fantasy inspires reality and reality inspires fantasy. And, and yeah. uh, it's great to see Oppose X-Wing be a part of that circle. Yeah, and uh, I'm not turning this into a Star Trek Star Wars battle. I, it makes sense to me that more people maybe working in the science you know, fields of, of all kinds will point to Star Trek. I, I totally get the connection there. I just love when when Star Wars gets included in that conversation too. Just just me being an old school Star Wars fan going, hey, we, 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 we cause people to look to the stars too over on this side of the uh, – <laughs> <side of> uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean I think the X-Wing is uh, just a great symbol – of that because it is so much just about uh flight and speed right <laughs> it's one thing for somebody to like uh grow up with spock or grow up with voyager and like they have to figure out everything themselves so i would also like to get into science but like uh the x-wing is a little bit more of that like uh i i love this fantasy of zipping around so i will get into actual aviation yeah I love this stuff. I love uh, I love any story uh, based in sci-fi or fantasy, inspiring things in the real world, or or just feeling part of it. I, I've been um, re watching the, the Hitchhikers movie and kind of looking at some Hitchhikers Guide, Hitchhikers Guide to the Galaxy stuff again. And just I think when the iPads and, and smartphones started showing up, I was like, yeah, 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 it's, it's the guide. Like, yeah, you guys, I've been waiting for this. You guys, have oh, okay, okay. So, yeah, I love that. I've been looking at some of the the old Phantom Menace action figures, and got a Padme recently, and I was looking at getting a Watto, and they all come with the data pad. I'm like, yeah, Watto came with an iPad in 1999. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> come on. You think the Simpsons is the only one that predicted things? All right, Star Wars too. So uh, this begs the question: um, taking kind of uh, maybe a little reality out of it, Joseph. What other Star Wars ships and vehicles, and perhaps even uh, locations or bridges, would you love to see displayed so we can experience up close? Yeah, uh, for other ships, um, it's been great to be able to go to Galaxy's Edge and like the A-wing really affected me because it looks it looks so small and compact, and you're like, I could I could I mean I get in trouble, but I could crawl into that cockpit. Yeah. Uh, so I, I would love to see uh, Obi-Wan's uh, Delta Seven Jedi Starfighter from Attack of the Clones. Um, man, a Republic gunship that you could actually jump on and grab the little handholds. Man, love that. Yeah. Uh, and then the other kind of weird one that would be really fun for me is uh, the Twilight, mm. uh, the the ship that Anakin uses uh, for various clandestine adventures in the Clone Wars until Obi-Wan destroys it. <laughs> oh, that's a great idea. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, because there's, you know, a lot of the um, 501st uh, builders and everything have some great kind of life-size speeder bikes or uh, ships there. So I, I, and the Falcon always gets a lot of love, whether it's the Galaxy's Edge or the uh, uh, Belgium uh, Division 501st uh, built that one that was at Star Wars Celebration in Chicago. And I, I love that. Um, Falcon's almost in the Hall of Fame of real-life experiences and some of the other ones. Um, but I would like to see, go with me here, uh, like like Jabba's sail barge. <laughs> Oh, wow. 
maybe just on top. I don't know. Or maybe inside, maybe just the, the main room, put a life-size job in there, which they've had on display before too. Uh, to just get the scope and the scale, just kind of get a feel. It's not a, it's not a certainly, it's not a, it's not one of the uh, sexier locations in Star Wars. It's, it's uh, dark and gritty and dingy, but I, I put, put a little R2 with a serving, uh, a little serving drink capability ro- roaming around. I'd be good. Oh yeah. Bar 2D2 for sure. <laughs> yeah. That one there. And then, uh, for those who haven't experienced Rise of Resistance at uh, Galaxy's Edge, I don't want to go I- into it too much, but there's some promotional shots. It's not a big spoiler, but you spend some time like in a, in a Star Destroyer. Uh, I would love, I, I would love a bridge. I would love a bridge with a data pit and all the, and the out looking out on the stars. Mm. Just, I don't know. I, I, you know, imagine you'd have to limit the amount of time everyone would be there looking out with their arms clasped behind their back like Vader. <laughs> Well, that's exactly, that's what you would do, right? You you would be able, if you had that, to just be, have like, you have a five-minute brooding appointment on <laughs> the Death Star. You get to stand there and think about whatever you want to think about. Yeah. Be at, you'll be at a, a food stand and, oh, my phone just went off. Oh, my brooding appointment's here. Like, I gotta go. <laughs> exactly. I would, oh, man, that would be so thrilling to brood. I love that. Uh, well, uh, head on out to the uh, National Air and Space Museum out in uh, Washington, D.C. shortly to see Post X-Wing. I believe the... Museum is actually still closed with uh, COVID, but uh, should be open soon. Check out their website there. Final story of the day is uh, looking at the Secrets of the Sith book that is coming out. We've been talking about it. Uh, and yeah, uh, we have a affiliate uh, deal with Inside Editions. A lot of podcasts do, so we'll love to disclose that. But we are, we're fans. We get these books. We're excited. And Arthur, uh, Arth, Arthur, Arthur Dent, author Mark <laughs> Summerack and artist Sergio Gomez-Sylvan uh, spoke with uh, StarWars.com about uh, the upcoming Secrets of the Sith. Joseph, I, I we got to dive into this idea. Of, uh, we we kind of knew Palpatine was going to be the narrator of the book, but they really uh, dove into this idea of Palpatine as this unreliable narrator. Uh, some Mark uh, said, as with any project like this, it's all about diving deep into the established lore and refocusing it through the perspective of the narrator, in this case, Emperor Palpatine. No matter how many times you've experienced the movies, the animated series, the novels, or the comics, there's always something new to learn, so it's important to go back and view them again with that specific character in the forefront of your mind, paying special attention to their interactions, their choices, and their motivations. Once you're inside of their head, then it's all about marrying the facts of that character's perspective about them i loved all those those words there i was did some great writery stuff for sure but just as a star wars fan i am excited to get into the mind of palpatine which is a scary thing there thoughts on this joseph about palpatine and unreliable narrators and sith ropes oh i am so thrilled this is one of the things that i've been so excited about this book and, and why i really like secrets of the jedi if it was just like uh, this is an ancient text and somebody found out the truth about everybody from mace windu to to kane and Jarrus. Great, that would be fun, but it is it is enriched so much by being written by Luke, and it's Luke jotting down his thoughts specifically after he's realized that he does need to be a Jedi, that he does need to take action. Uh, it's after Ray has left the island, and he's writing down all of his thoughts, and it's so great to be coming not only from the perspective of the character, but the perspective of that character in that moment, and the fact that we're going to get that for Palpatine. Uh, you know, I, I think this is going to be Sheev's burn book. This is going to be, <laughs> you know, all of his mean thoughts about everybody else. Uh, they they had a bunch of, um, not a bunch of, they had two pages mm. 
that were sampled and uh and i strained my eyes reading them (laughs) and the sample pages are about vader and like vader is great because you kind of know you can kind of guess palpatine's perspective right of like he was my strongest apprentice i manipulated him i pulled the strings those jedi idiots but then you know he he gave in to his uh weakness of compassion for his son idiot you know Mm -hmm. so you can you can kind of guess palpatine's perspective but to know like what's he gonna say about dooku just like this guy was always, you know, crap, but I used him because he had he had a he had that charming voice and he was worth it for that. But I could I always knew he was not the end game or like in his mall. Is he going to be just totally down on mall or is he going to be like, got to hand it to him that he kept trying to come back, you know, and then you're going to get to like, you know, just other, you know, ideas about his preference to lightning versus lightsabers, things like that, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's it's going to be so much fun to uh see his uh his petty cruel egotistical uh opinion yeah. <laughs> on every little thing and just those two sample pages uh to speak to the unreliable narrator part of it were really really great because it, it it's him rolling around in both the truth and the lies of the dark side mm-hmm. where he is saying like yeah the the jedi are so afraid of the dark side it's just a different perspective and they refuse to look at the big picture which is the kind of the same line that he gives anakin right yeah uh and that that can sound tempting because you're like yeah we should look at the big picture but then then like the next sentence he's saying like and then they'd realize that when they look at the whole picture that the dark side is better because it's honest that you just pursue your own power mm-hmm. <laughs> and everyone should only be pursuing their own power I'm like wait that's not great at all <laughs> Oh, Palpatine's burn book is a great idea there. Um, love love what you're saying here about this and, and the value of it. I hadn't really even thought about the Dooku, which is like, let me tell you about Tyrannus. Uh, that, that's <laughs> fascinating. But I wonder, too, if, if you know, I'm not expecting any uh, cracks in Palpatine's own story. But, you know, if we're going to get any clue in, in, into what hurt him, <laughs> into what brought him here, again, not in terms of, of, of canon details, but just really the justifications, the leaps, the things you're talking about there of oh, point one, we under. Oh, there you went. Point two, you lost it. I, I, I That's intriguing to me of, of, of how deep they'll go and, and how, you know, we got a little bit of you know, Luke's perspective in that moment. That's a great time you know, for Luke to be writing that, uh, in this book. So I, I got to ask you, where, Joseph, where do you think Palpatine's going to be writing this book? Uh, I, I think this is a dictated to a cultist while hanging from that claw machine. Uh, yeah. You know, I think, I think, I hope that it is written. I think it'd be cool if it was written when like he knows Ray is on the way and he thinks he's reeling her in and he thinks he's about to have his great triumph. Yeah. You know, because I appreciate that with like Luke, they kind of put it without uh, having him written it uh, as a as a force spirit as far on the timeline as they could. Yeah. And I think that's the same thing with uh, it's interesting to think that they would do the same thing with Sheev so he could offer his opinions on uh, Kylo Ren and, you know, may, the, who knows what he's going to say about Snoke, you know. Yeah. That was my next thing of just like, uh, yeah, what do we maybe some little details there and, and definitely opinions on what was going on. Yeah. And you're right. And, 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 and we, I definitely want it to go that far the story. I am definitely intrigued kind of the same thing you're saying of just like him getting to the end of the book and be like, all right, uh, Vader's bringing Luke up here. I'm going to finish now. Everything's going to go great. See you in a week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I think since they want to get into the sequel, I think it will be like, my granddaughter is coming home and soon. I will be unstoppable once more, you know, yeah. everything's going my way kind of thing. Um, get a new robe. 
hope to get a new robe. <laughs> the art's got some of his robes, so maybe he's already thinking about his robe. Who knows? Yeah, uh, and, I don't know. And about that art, Sylvan uh, drew a, a lot of inspiration for his art book from medieval books of uh, knights, art, the art nouveau style, feudal Japanese parchment arts. Hey, going back to Star Wars Visions. Uh, and, and this is kind of similar to style in, in Secrets of the Jedi, though this time he said he maybe had a bit, better handle, a little more confidence on what he was doing with this one. Uh, so this all helps paint a, a mythic feel. How do we feel that helps these style of books like Secrets of the Jedi? You and I both love these these kind of books. They help just kind of uh, turn our attention to the core parts of Star Wars. But I agree with him. There's a mythic feel to the art here. Yeah, I think it's this great balance because it is, you know, it, it is in general, it is the art style is realism, right? It's not like a massive uh, interpretation. It's not, you know, like the expressionism version of Count yeah. Dooku. It's like it, a... Uh, not photo real, but it is it's mm-hmm. kind of a, a realism style. But for me, what sets it apart is the composition. Like each little section, each little image is very composed. So it is either telling a little narrative, like just within the image, like in this one, there's this sample of Anakin kind of going through all the moments of his uh, journey to Vader. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the literal composition with just sort of like the energy and the rhythm in it uh, is all very good to the point where it looks to me like each image looks like a piece of tapestry that has been clipped out of like somewhere there is this long ongoing story. And this little image is just the, the part of the tapestry that talked about Count Dooku. Tapestries. Oh, I'd like, now you're getting me thinking of hanging these in a, in a castle wall. Just to- <laughs> Exactly. But it is, it feels like here's the, the story of this, you know, yeah. line of Tudor royalty, but we're just grabbing this little section out. Yeah, indeed, a lot, a lot in the in the photos. Uh, I've 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 loved the style because they're 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 very distinct to these style of books uh, with inside editions and what they got going on. So uh, excited to uh, dive in! I I almost will say this, Joseph. More, almost more excited for this one than Secrets of the Jedi, a book I do love, <laughs> but I'm almost more excited. I will admit. Yeah, I mean, I think it is a little bit more twisted uh, because it is from the perspective of Sheev and it's an extra harsh perspective, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it'll be fun to spend uh, some time in the in the cruel mind of Sheev Palpatine. A good burn book moment indeed. You're so right with that. I love it. You get to the end of the book and Verve's Bittersweet Symphony starts playing. Sarah Michelle Geller walks out with her <laughs> Cruel Intentions bull book. Uh, uh, burn book would be great. be great. All right, Incidations is set to release Secrets of the Sith on October 5th, and we'll take a dive in when it comes on out. All right, that's a look at the news. Before we take a quick break, we're going to uh, recommend an audio book for you. Joseph, what do we have today? We are recommending The Rising Storm by Kevin Scott. This is the latest big chapter in the ongoing story of the High Republic. We did a big deep dive discussing the book. So if you would like to dive in uh, and listen to the book, then listen to the podcast. Uh, We highly recommend it. It is a great Star Wars book. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people uh, I know in my own uh, personal life checking in to say how much they are enjoying or enjoyed the book. So get to The Rising Storm by Kevin Scott or any other book on us by downloading your free audiobook today at audibletrial.com slash four center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash four center for your free audio book. All right, quick break on the other side. Your questions here on four center. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com, that's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com, for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. Jennifer. 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 
Welcome back to Force Center. We've uh, taken a look at the, the news. It's now time for the cues. Joseph, what do we have? Yeah, we got two questions from Twitter and two questions from patrons on Patreon. These are very fun questions. We're going to dive in first to Twitter. Uh, we have a question from Brandon Blargsmart. Uh, the question is, loving this show, and I really love all your talk of grizzled weirdos. If you could insert yourself as a grizzled weirdo into the Star Wars galaxy, what would your thing be that makes you especially grizzled and weird? <laughs> uh, this is a very fun question. We we always love uh, the the grizzled weirdos, uh, the characters who look like they have maybe been around the block, uh, either because of time or because of life experiences. And I think we we really got excited talking about them when the casting announcement started to come up for that first season of uh, Mandalorian. And it was a lot of people, uh, you know, people from the real world actors who have been uh, in the, the firmament of our imaginations have, uh, have lived life, have experienced life. And then when you translate that into star Wars, you get these delightful grizzled weirdos going on weird, delightful speeches. Uh, so Ken, what's your thought? If you were a grizzled weirdo in star Wars, uh, who, who or what would you be? Uh, probably, Either, either, uh, yeah, humanoid probably, but like more, uh, or maybe closer, closer to uh, Grumgar, maybe in Force Awakens, if I have to be an alien, <laughs> just kind of there. But I'd be, I'd be a barfly for sure, and not unapproachable. Like I'd be almost not like a norm from Cheers. You know, I might fit in Sid's bar, is what I guess what I'm saying. But I, I'd be the one that just, you know, you want to know the lay of the land on someone. He, he'll give you the scoop. It's it's grumpy, jerky gossip, but he'll give you the scoop on that person. And what do you look like? Are you are you disheveled? Because uh, you know you, you've posted photos. You can go into your your own Arthur Dent aesthetic if you want with the yeah. uh, the bathrobe and the the wild hair. But then you clean up uh, and yeah. you you dress sharp. Yeah. Would you want to be like, ooh, who's this uh, who's this uh, rumor filled gentleman in the in the sharp suit, or do you want to look like you? Uh, just fell out of your your bed in the upstairs room. Yeah. Well, you you just hit on the aesthetic. I think I, I didn't even think for myself what would work. Is is that guy a Jedi? He's in a in a robe. Oh no, that's his bathrobe. That's his it's not a cloak. <laughs> it's a bathrobe. Uh, he he stays nearby here. He just shows up here in the bar. Yeah, and I'd have a towel. It'd be good. But yeah, yeah. Wild hair, wild beard, um, hair kind of all over the place. You know, when I'm not, uh, you know, I, I do kind of look like Bill Murray and Kingpin if I don't really comb the hair up and uh, fix it up there. So. Yeah, something like that, a little, a little like that. But I, I want to be like, I, I, I'd be, I'm approachable. Like, you know, it's not completely just the uh, evil looking uh, alien in the corner or, or Grumgar himself, who I do love. I just love that design of just like, but he looks like he might be problems. That might bring problems. That's not me. You people like talking. I'm just like, ah, yeah, Luke. Let me tell you, something. it's whiny. There's a whiny kid. <laughs> I love it. This is a great aesthetic. Um, not surprisingly, I think I would also just want to be uh, lounging around. I would like to be a bar fly, um, maybe a literal fly. Uh, that would be fun. Oh, yeah. uh, but the, the the grizzled weirdo aesthetic that I would want to go for is I would want to be like just this weird combination of stuff that maybe once looked cool, like got some Jedi robes, uh, maybe Jedi robes, much like your robe. But then there's also like, is that like a little corner of Mandalorian armor, some clone armor? So like I'm mm. all bundled up in lots of different aesthetics that like, almost would have been cool uh but they just don't quite come together <laughs> so people are like what what is this what is this guy is he a is he an old jedi is he a bounty? what is his deal but like so uh i would i would feel like i look cool but i would look kind of i would make manage to make all that look dumpy right 
And then when people approach me, uh, unlike uh, maybe if I look like, oh, he could maybe be a, you know, an aging badass, I, I would just be really friendly and just chat yeah. with them. Like that. <laughs> just like, oh, that guy who looks dangerous is just uh, he has no interest in, in bounty hunting work. He's just he's just friendly, just likes to chat. Uh, I'd maybe like to have a little floating microphone droid and uh, I'd ask people if I could interview them, oh, great. <laughs> record my conversations with them. And I think then I'd probably really get into trouble when I was asking you know, like hardened bounty hunters, like, can I interview you about your life? What do you like? <laughs> What's cool about the bounty hunting life for you? And I would probably get in trouble then. Yeah, well, you'd probably learn your secrets that you would uh, get out of those interviews could could be worth something on the, on the market for the likes of Sid. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and I, yeah, I would love to have just kind of magically perfect, always messed up hair. Good messed up hair is really fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I wish I had that. <laughs> uh, you you got some good wild hair. Yeah, what I need it to be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on being a grizzled weirdo in Star Wars? I mean, no. Other than I need a figure of myself now, but. <laughs> excellent well i will uh, i will see you at sid's in our imagination yeah leaning on the bar uh next question comes from michael gibbons uh michael says with the book of boba fett coming to screen soon i started to wonder if we would see flashbacks involving jabba we have seen his palace after all and if jabba was brought back would you prefer a practical physical character or a cgi rendition that could leave the palace oh jabba on a not a walkabout a slide about i guess mm. <laughs> Mm. So, uh, first off, Ken, what are your thoughts? Are, are you thinking that we will see Java? Are you hoping that we will see Java? Yeah, I actually am. I, I think the the flashbacks is kind of becoming uh, a, 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 I don't know, a accepted expectation. I don't know. I know you talked about him here. You know, we got Tamora kind of given that, uh, that uh, giving us thoughts on on that possibly happen. So I'm excited for that actually, and I'm excited to see Java if that's uh, in the cards. I and, and and Michael brings up a real tough question. My gut instinct is to absolutely go practical, and and just because of what you could accomplish nowadays, and they accomplished a lot back in eighty three or, or shooting it in, in 80, 81, 82. I, I mean, but just could you imagine what what's available now with technology? I, looking looking on, uh, I don't know, the father years that come to mind. A lot of stuff on Canto Bite of just how realistic it was. So uh, even more realistic slime covered Jabba, like I'm there for that. But then he pitches the Jabba walking around and I'm like, oh, unless you could do that, I kind of want to see that. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm in a general same place as you. I think that uh, I hope and, and uh, think <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, double hope. I'll say that I double hope uh, that we're going to see the flashbacks of Boba's actual escape from the Sarlacc. Mm -hmm. um so uh, i think we're definitely going to see uh some of the katana <laughs> right. the uh, shattered uh horrific remains of the katana whether or not we'll do a flashback to moments that are important to the story the present story of boba right back when he worked for java or you know i didn't even thought of like are we going to see much younger boba you know right um that i'm really really intrigued by and i'd be happy for it if it made sense for the story um but only if it made sense for the story. Right. I really feel like the flashback of Boba escaping uh, is important. Uh, and that could feature shards of Jabba, <laughs> uh, unfortunately. Uh, if Jabba was going to play in some flashbacks, um, I just think they did such a great job with Grogu. And I realize Jabba is slightly larger than Grogu. Mm -hmm. um, but they did such a good job of leading with puppet Grogu 
and everything that emotionally mattered, it was uh, puppet Grogu. And then they blended him with CGI really well. And I loved that um, they talk about they didn't have CGI Grogu move the limbs in ways that puppet Grogu couldn't. Uh, And I think if there was that kind of mix, I think they've gotten much better at mixing Mm -hmm. the practical uh, and the CGI. So I would love it if like, hey, we got we need a big uh, slime... Yeah, coded uh, close up of uh, of Jabba giving directions to to young Boba. Great, uh, but if he's got a slide somewhere, eh, it's going to be CGI, but it'll it'll blend fine. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, what they pulled off with Grogu, Grogu is so legendary and, and instantly iconic. So yes, uh, explode that out literally to Jabba. I'd be there. <laughs> yeah, let's get uh, Jabba sliding after some frogs he wants to eat. <laughs> Any other thoughts on uh, Jabba in the Book of Boba Fett? No, other than, you know, who, you know, a lot of people be excited to see Jabba again. Jabba has his fans. Oh, yeah. No, I'd be thrilled. I would be thrilled. Uh, we are going to move on to our questions from our patrons on Patreon. This first one comes from Chris Martinez. Chris says, hello, Force Center. My girlfriend and I have a shared love for Star Wars that has manifested in naming a pet after Princess Leia, collecting way too many Funkos, and of course, watching Star Wars together as much as possible. My question is, how has your shared love for Star Wars in your relationships shifted your individual love for Star Wars? I have found that I now focus on different aspects of the galaxy that I hadn't before and have even found that I care less uh, about what I think of a new Star Wars Homer show and find myself more excited to turn and ask, what did you think? Uh, thanks for everything you do and may the force be with you. Thank you very much, Chris, uh, for the kind words and for the great question. Uh, Ken, where do you go with this? How has your relationship with Star Wars shifted by sharing it with other people in your life? Yeah, it it definitely helps and if you're if you're with me in a romantic situation a romantic partnership it probably makes it easier for the, my partner if they love star wars <laughs> everywhere <laughs> in my life um i've had uh, experiences of of all sides of uh, uh i don't really like that uh till at the at the end of the relationship that person was like you know what i actually like that and then after we broke up that person became more of a star wars fan <laughs> she, she's just all about it now uh another big relationship just at, not something she was ever interested in and it never was a thing but right now i'm blessed to be not just in uh the best uh, relationship of my life but just with someone who loves star wars and has always loved star wars and and was um of an age where uh youthful imagination was all she experienced while watching phantom menace and not any of the questions and the doubts and the snark and the critiques uh so phantom menace remains one of uh, grace's favorite star wars films darth maul one of her favorite characters and the first <laughs> side of that is in solo she's there in the screening with me and maul pops up and she was like this is amazing i did not know this was before the phantom menace and that it brought a whole new level of excitement and discovery and she didn't do a deep dive in Clone Wars. She doesn't go to that degree. Um, but, but to just see that stuff through another person's eyes and, and get a true measure of what hits and what um, impacts Star Wars fans, you and I and others like us and those probably listen to Force Center are going to experience Star Wars on this wonderfully deep level with themes and all those kind of things, but also on a, oh, well, yeah, back in season two, the um actually of it all, right? Um, <laughs> Grace doesn't experience that. So it's all emotions. It's all joy. And every time we watch Star Wars, that's the measuring stick in a way of just what connects. And she, I remember her kind of season um, two of Mando. Um, yeah, she didn't react to a Bo-Katan like I did. Um, 
She's like, oh, okay, Katie Zakoff's in Star Wars now. And I'm like, now? Back again, honey. Uh, <laughs> and and she just took it as as it kind of played, you know? And so it was fun to see that. And at times, I'll admit, sometimes frustrating. Of like, aren't you excited? You should be excited. And she's like, well, yeah, okay. I don't know. What's, who's that character? It's like, well, good point. <laughs> <laughs> but then the final moment of tears in her eyes over Luke Skywalker. And those tears came from such a pure spot that sometimes I have that angle of like, oh God, tomorrow I'm going to wake up and everyone's going to be saying this Mando's better than Last Jedi or Last Jedi was better than Mando and the, how they could they do that with Luke and why shouldn't they, why didn't they do that with Luke before? She didn't have any of that. It just was, oh my God, it's Luke. That's great. That's awesome. And uh, I'm emotionally moved by that. So that helps me ground me a little and center me as a Star Wars fan. Yeah, no, I I think that's really great, and I really relate to what you're saying because that's been my journey with uh with uh, my wife Sarah. Uh, you know, she grew up and and she liked uh she liked Star Wars, and she had a great, beautifully cute photo of her as a young child opening a Princess Leia action figure, mm. yeah. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite photos. Uh, and she always was she liked Star Wars. She watched it. Uh, she was very supportive of me watching it. But it was really great in, in this new era that she just got really, really hooked on the on the sequel mm. trilogy and on Rogue One and on Solo. And uh, we watched uh, all of Rebels together and we're almost done watching Clone Wars. And we've watched, uh, you know, tr- trying to stay uh, caught up with mm. everything. But it's a very similar thing of like, she's all in. She likes Star Wars a lot. And she would do great at just, you know, random bar trivia at Star Wars. But it's right. not that same thing of you and I being sort of students of it um, for the podcast. Um, right. So exactly that thing of like, she is quite knowledgeable, but she is leading always with the emotional canon, right? There, yeah. <laughs> she very rarely has any like, but but when is this on the timeline? But does this conflict with this? It's just a a pure emotional reaction to the story that's being told, how it connects to emotionally to the other stories uh, that she's got to experience. So um, some of the, some of my favorite moments of really getting to experience it uh, with her and through her eyes. Um, Rogue One, uh, she just really connected to Jen right away. And I, I really like Jen. Uh, but I really, the first couple of viewings, I kind of felt like I, w- I wanted a little bit more clarity. I, I understood that she was feeling big emotions, but what exactly is she feeling? Um, that's now got totally filled in with me, but, but Sarah just really connected to Jen right away and just mm-hmm. really got it. You know, mm-hmm. um, the day that, uh, we saw Rise of Skywalker at a, a press screening, uh, we saw it, uh, together. All of us, uh, we went out uh, and had drinks, uh, you and me and Grace and, mm. and our friend Mark Ellis. And then Sarah and I just didn't want to go home. We just wanted to stay in that bubble. And we went to uh, uh, Musso and Frank and had sat at the bar having cocktails and talked a ton about Rise of Skywalker. And we were both excited about Leia in Rise mm. of Skywalker. And, you know, this was before, you know, I hadn't checked any reactions on social media, the press screening, so I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> and we just both just got so thrilled about what that story said about Leia as a Skywalker twin, about Leia as a Jedi, about Leia as this powerful maternal presence that affects all our heroes. And to really hear Sarah's thoughts and Sarah's emotional reaction to that, you know, made me feel even, even more strongly about what I responded to. Um, Mm -hmm. Another memory of, um, we saw Solo uh, a bunch of times in the theater. And then uh, we watched uh, A New Hope and 
when 3PO says that, you know, very old line about like, we're going to be sent to the spice mines of Kessel. Mm, mm. <laughs> uh, Sarah's jaw just dropped of like, you know, cause she doesn't memorize every line of like, right. We just saw that. That's yeah. where 3PO is afraid of going. And it was like one of those moments of like, that's why Canon is fun. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. like, just so pure. Um, so that's a lot of the the story reactions. And then just um, in terms of what she gravitates towards, she's a big music fan. She's a big soundtrack fan. Uh, so so Sarah really made a point of buying the Rogue One soundtrack and the solo soundtrack and leaving the physical discs in our cars mm-hmm. <laughs> or in our car, rather, because we only have the one uh, and saying, like, look, Rogue One is great driving music. And it she's made me appreciate the soundtracks much more. Yeah. And then the final thing is... Um, she is a, a knitter and she is a, she made her own wedding dress. Uh, she's a very much a, a maker, a uh, lot of uh, fabrics, but also like other little arts and crafts things. So it's been great to see her just really express her love of Star Wars, not necessarily in like, I'm going to write an essay on the themes, even though she relates to those, but just like kind of wanting to have Star Wars around in, in day-to-day ways, you know? So she bought stickers that we we put on our, our yearly calendars every year on January 1st. Uh, she goes out and buys Star Wars uh, bed sheets. She bought random fabric of uh, Vader saying, I don't know what I'll ever do with this. Hey, it's a pandemic. I'll turn them into masks, you know? Yeah. Uh, she brings Star Wars literally physically into our lives in a way that I never would have. And it's really fun to experience that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah. So uh, a lot of ways is the answer to the question for me. A lot of ways. <laughs> Yeah, great question. Any other thoughts from you, Ken? No, no. It's always a fun, a fun journey, and and uh, and you know, I, I can sit on the couch and kind of be crying over Ad- Admiratus again, and and I don't need anyone to meet me at that level. Um, but it's <laughs> uh, it's just fun to just uh, hey, I, I've been thinking to hear that phrase. I've been thinking I kind I kind of want to watch a Star Wars movie uh, this weekend. Like, yes. Yes, <laughs> it is so much fun to, to be able to share it. Mm-hmm. Uh, great question. Thank you very much, Chris. We're going to move on to our final question. It comes to us from Brendan Bozarth. Brendan says, hey, guys, we all know Dooku had legitimate criticisms of the Republic. At first, he wanted to make a change, but was eventually corrupted and manipulated by the dark side to become worse than what he was fighting against. Do you think Dooku would have approved of how the Empire turned out? Or is it possible that if you were born at a different time, Dooku would have ended up with the rebellion? Great Dooku questions. What are your thoughts, Ken? This is a, a absolute great question. We, we've had a lot of Dooku discussions, and I hope we have a lot more. You and I just kind of, I think we love what Dooku represents and, and the questions he inspires, like this one. I, I've used to be a, a point of uh, my fandom where I'd be like, hey, Dooku's kind of almost like the accidental grandfather of the rebellion if, from a certain point of view. But <laughs> that is washed away by the Sith and the Sith of it all. I guess I could just end the sentence there. Um, I always go to Christopher Lee describing kind of his take on the character. Now an actor's take on the character or the research of the character doesn't always make it canon, but you get an insight to what they're playing in the moments. And, and that translates to the story that we connect to and the story we love and him just really describing Dooku is just really amoral, right? Just like he's there for the power. He's there for himself. Uh, and and there that way I've always taken it as if he was if he could destroy the Sith and that was beneficial he would uh, it is truly unlimited power which fuels the dark side in so many ways so because of that I think he, even if he had survived or you know escaped or Palpatine just fired him and gave him a severance package and said be done with it um, I I don't see the Dooku that I know now going to no dental no <laughs> no dental two weeks. Uh, 
<laughs> three weeks vacation, but you can only take it before. Yeah. Um, God, I would love those conversations. Um, oh, I, I don't see the, the Dooku we know now. And the reason I say that is the Dooku that I thought I knew then just from coming out of Attack of the Clones or anything. I, back then it would have been like, no, I, I think I think he would have looked around and been like, this is not the way, this is not what I wanted. I'm going to join. I, but I, I think now, uh, Joseph, I, I land on the side of he'd look around and maybe there's some things he's like, ah, this isn't good. But I don't think he's there for the good of the people. He's there for the good of Dooku. And that's where he would have stayed. Yeah, yeah. And I think we're, we're finally getting some great uh, Dooku exploration with that, uh, you know, Jedi Lost, Dooku Jedi Lost uh, audiobook and script. Uh, we listened to the audiobook uh, a while back, um, got copies of the script uh, of that. So I'm really anxious to revisit it. But I think what I was affected by in that is, uh, in speaking in very, very broad terms, uh, that his criticism was this fascinating one that is kind of on this razor-thin line that the Jedi often wrestle with. He seemed frustrated that the Republic and the Jedi in specific refused to use their power at times that he thinks he should. They should. Right. Um, and that's kind of what, what some of the end of the story hinges on, uh, to my recollection. Um and that's fascinating, right? Because that gets into like why Jedi are constantly going into exile. Because like, yes, we want to be, we want to defend people, but defense can slip into attack and can slip mm -hmm. into uh, we take an action and that just escalates things. Uh, so that so Jedi wrestle with that. But then the opposite of that is Jedi go, well, we follow all these rules and we can't help that planet that's suffering for this reason. And I think or that reason. And I think that can be this sort of legitimate criticism of the Republic and the Jedi that they have become so rigid and so caught up in bureaucracy that they, they aren't helping people. And that is legitimate. But along with that, Dooku is also having this or wrestling with these dark side tendencies of is that legitimate criticism that the Jedi and the Republic are not using their power to help people? Is that just convenient? Because what Dooku truly wants is power. He wants an excuse to use his power he wants an excuse to get more power and i think that's really fascinating of like could dooku have been saved from the dark side step back from the dark side and let go of this idea of i want power mm. and just made the argument of we need to be better about using our power to help people we can't be so reticent to use it because what's the point of having power to help people if we don't help people yeah. but i think the tragedy of dooku is that that legitimate criticism just dovetails with use power in fact my power in fact i take power in fact power <laughs> power and it's power. just about power um yeah. yeah yeah and i think that that's what's really interesting to me about the the emerging story of of dooku i love what that brendan asked do you think dooku would have approached uh, would have approved of how the empire turned out and i think he would have been morally fine with it because i think mm -hmm. you know we see him being extremely amoral in in the clone wars you know no ambiguity about some of his uh, you know horrific uh, cruel choices I'd like to think that Dooku would have agitated for like a more elegant approach to manipulating the entire galaxy because I think he was right. <laughs> quite good at it. I think he would have been like, uh, we we could we could be more smooth about this. Yeah. <laughs> but I think in terms of like actually the goal of the Empire being a tool of the Sith, I think he I think he wanted the same things that Palpatine did. Yeah, there's some great thoughts. You got me thinking come, uh, coming out of some of the wonderful stuff you said there. Uh, I, I would love to know there. I think there is a point. I think you're right of, of um, Dooku. Maybe if he's sitting around having a, having a conversation with Qui-Gon, you know, post Padawan days, just like maybe five years before Phantom Menace. I don't know that time frame. And, and I know with Dooku Jedi lost, we, we go back a ways and everything, but kind of race up to that time. But just, I, I think there could have been 
a time maybe where what you're saying where Duku could lay that down the line and Qui-Gon and others and Quinlan Boss or someone could be like, yeah, 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 you know, you're right. Um, but I, I, yeah, you're right. I think, I think the cracks were already there of what he wanted. I, and, and I, I would love to get Duku's opinion in that split second that he shoots his look over to Palpatine. <laughs> and Palpatine <laughs> says, kill him, do it. Yeah. Then maybe, maybe there might've been a, uh, a uh, bedside uh, confession and, and redemption. I, I, I don't know. He, he has uh, one half a second to decide, but uh, too late. Yeah. And that, that look is that to me that the surprise, the shock, but also that he's just been sort of like, I'm, I'm that, that look is almost uh, for me, a Dooku at himself of like, I have been, uh, you know, I have made a terrible mistake. <laughs> it's an arrested development <laughs> moment for me. <laughs> really a terrible mistake. Yeah. I was just like thinking that he's, you know, I think thinking that he's so aligned with Sidious and the goal is the Sith to the two of them to take over the galaxy, reshape it like all Sith uh, apprentices. And he's like, and then I'll kill him and then I'll shape the government the way it should be. And I'll use power the way it should be. And all the power will be mine. And he's thinking that. And he was just not paying attention to like, yeah, Sidious seems real invested in this Anakin kid. Yeah. <laughs> just not paying attention and i think it's another another um uh, part of the sort of hubris theme of the prequels of of dooku is so involved in his own power like it's even what he's ranting to yoda about in attack of the clones right yeah i become more powerful than any jedi uh even you uh that he thinks he's more powerful than sidious too and he thinks he's yeah. he's blinded by his hubris and that's that one moment where he's like oh geez whoops yeah. <laughs> blinded by the red light do you final, final thought for me <laughs> do you think do you, what what do you think Dooku would feel about some of the discussions you and I have had around uh, the High Republic stuff? Uh, you know, with the the Jedi and the fight in the Nile, and uh, the Jedi maybe stopping short of uh, you know killing isn't their thing, and and maybe that causes more problems. We've had those wonderful discussions. Do you think what do you, Dooku's probably reading the history books, been like they should have just killed all the Nile. That's what I would have done. Just wiped them out. What are we doing? Use our power for the good of the people. Oh yeah, I mean, I think I think Dooku wants to not be Stellan Geos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, in case people haven't read Rising Storm, I won't go into spoilers on that. But yeah, I mean, I think he's. I think that seems to be. And and I want, like I said, I really want to revisit all the the subtleties and the nuance of mm-hmm. uh, of Lost Jedi, um, or Jedi Lost rather. Um, but I think he really does have that slippery slope of. Yeah, it's a decent argument that Jedi, they're supposed to use their power to help people. And what happens if you hold back too often? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Great Dooku thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Very, very fun. Thank you, uh, Brendan, for the wonderful question. Oh, to answer this last one, uh, if you were born at a different time, uh, would Dooku have ended up with the rebellion? Do, do you, What do you think on that, Ken? I, I really, I, I think no, but because the question is, you know, born at a different time then your influences might be, be completely different everything and, and and are you still you know you're the same person i, I don't know um i i still say at the end of the day no i i think i think he would have been tempted but again i think he would have been you imagine him sitting around that uh in the table with noah jabel all the infight <laughs> and everything he just would be like we're getting nothing done he might have been on radis's side but for the wrong reasons yeah, there. I think that's the final answer. I think he would have been on Radis's side for the wrong reasons, and he still would have fallen. It's yeah. a 
yeah. my take. Uh, great to pull Radis into a discussion of Dooku. That's the kind of magic that happens here on Force Center. Mm. Those are our questions, Ken. Uh, thank you all who asked those questions. And if you want to uh, reach out and ask us your own questions, there are a few ways. You can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We're, we're available on uh, Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon Music, and Spotify. We have merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. You can support us directly where we take uh, two questions every week on Patreon at patreon.com slash Force Center. And uh, just got the new shipment in, sending a, a package out uh, today uh, to uh, one of our Patreon supporters, uh, Ronan. Um, we got the Force Center trading cards. It's me, Joseph, Jennifer, designed by Brian Ward. Uh, we've had those for a bit. We just got some new stock in. And so if you support at the top tier, you get those cards sent your way. So check it out at patreon.com slash Force Center. Uh, we also uh, got our own stuff working on. Uh, you can go follow me at Cadnapsock and cadnapsock.com. Uh, we are in July, but, uh, you know, it's a holiday weekend, so no one really works. So I'm keeping uh, my support with the Trevor Project at trevorproject.org. I've been supporting them uh, with our uh, month over at uh, the Good People Association. So I'll bring them up here again. Check them out for all they do. Uh, and Joseph, you. Yeah, you can find me Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Joseph Scrimshaw. Uh, check any of those out if you want to see a, a video I'll do about my cold Obi-Wan action figure. Uh, if you're interested in any of my other comedy adventures, uh, past comedy albums, future shows, uh, the Adult Swim show uh, that I'm a writer for, which is available on HBO Max, that's called uh, Tigtone. Links to all that stuff is on my website at josephsgrimshot.com. And for the service I would like to plug, uh, there is a great project called Vote Forward. Uh, where you sign up to write letters to encourage people to use their power to vote. There is a new project up uh, right now that's uh, writing letters through, I believe, September. And if you're interested in finding out more, you can go to their website at votefwd.org. Check it out. Check it out. Thanks for listening today, folks. Thanks for all the great questions. We'll get get ready to uh, take in Star Wars visions with all of you. We'll see you next time here on Force Center. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.